Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. So friends, I want to talk to you about being stinky today. Not a lot of giggles, a few. Why? Because it's possibly true, right? Have you ever, uh, have you ever been in a situation where you just know that somebody doesn't smell very good? And you're, everybody's looking around and, you know, and then all of a sudden you think, is it, is it me? <laughs> right? Anybody? And so you look, you, you. Nobody's done that. So, okay, hold that in your mind for a minute. Have any of you ever gone to an event or didn't plan to do something, but you ended up doing it and realized pretty quickly that you were absolutely underdressed? Yeah. You see, I don't think we're going to find those days as much in this modern time because we don't much care about that anymore. Now, I want you to understand what I'm about to tell you, okay? I am not here to tell you that you have to wear a suit and tie to church. In fact, I don't do it anymore. I look at my ties. I got rid of a whole bunch of them, probably probably at least 70 ties, I'm sure. And then I have maybe about, I don't know, 40 left or something. I don't know what for. I don't wear them. Because, you see, I'm not underdressed in our congregation anymore. But 15 years ago, I would be. Right? You see how it's, it's moved? Yeah? Next week, I'm going to do something I've never done. I think I am. I think I'm actually going to wear jeans to church on a Sunday morning. And I'm, I'm doing it from my own experience, just to see how it really feels. I'm going to wear a decent shirt, I think, but I'm going to, yeah... Not, you know, I'm not inviting you into my wardrobe, but what I am saying is that, you know, I, I, got, I got I to do this. I got I to see what this is like, if I can really handle it. Because as I look at this chapter, couple chapters, and Jesus is speaking, I'm, I'm like, yikes. And about, oh, I don't, I don't know, uh, last Easter or so. Uh, almost a year ago, it's probably past that, maybe, maybe closer into July or June. I started putting these messages together. What is the church of Christ? What is it really? And uh, I realized that the church of Christ is really the kingdom of heaven. That's just one of the you know, messages you're getting in this, this series, and that's the name of it today. And there are two passages that to me move upon 
a couple of thoughts. I don't like to be underdressed. And I don't like to be overdressed either. And that's, that's happened. But I was going to give you a video today, and, and I knew it was late in the game, and if I throw that on John at the last minute, that's not really fair to him. And, and I don't know that I really needed to show you the video. You've seen parts of it before anyway, I can tell you. In, in facing the Giants, you're going to almost guarantee you're going to get one next week, and I'll have to get that to him sooner than later. Uh, but in, in facing the Giants, anybody, has anybody not seen that video? If you haven't seen it, you probably ought to watch it. Uh, there's a, a couple reasons why. It's probably one of my uh, top Christian mu- movies. Uh, John uh, sent a survey out to us, what, a week or so, two weeks ago, John, about movies. Uh, wants me to, uh, and Chris, and uh, I don't know who else to, uh, say these are our top movies and this is you know, what they are. And uh, Why? Because you're going to probably want to watch those because there's a point to them. And I noticed that every one of the movies, whether they're secular or whether they're Christian movies, I noticed that I liked them because they resonated with me in some manner. It was a teaching moment to me. And in this particular movie, Facing the Giants, uh, it's put on by Sherwood Baptist Church. Well, not anymore, it's not, but that's who started them. And it's a football team uh, from Shiloh Christian Academy, which is a fictitious academy, although there is such a thing down there. But nevertheless, this is fictitious. And the coach is telling them about their aroma. They want to win ball games. You know, they want to be a good football team. But the fact of the matter is, that's the number one thing they're thinking about, and it can't be. Because if you're going to be a Christian, then something else has to be number one, and football is just part of it. Agreed? And, and so as he's outlining the changes he wants to make, uh, some of the boys aren't sure they like the changes, and that's people, right? We don't like changes. Uh, you don't like changes in your church. You don't like changes in your corporation, the job that you have, or in your home most of the time. And we only make changes when we like them or if there's something that's necessary. And even though we're not sure we'll like them, we have to do it. But nevertheless, the boys aren't sure. And so one of the assistant coaches walks up to one of the boys who's uh, having a pretty poor attitude about it. And he, like, sniffs at him and says, your aroma's not too good. Most of the time, you know, not, not every Sunday and not every time, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a toucher and a feeler and a hugger. You know that. And so uh, when people leave here, I almost always give every one of you a hug. If you come out the back or the front door, you're probably going to get a hug from me. And um, a lot of times people say, you smell good. And, uh, and, and that's a compliment, and I, and I appreciate that because I'd rather smell good than not good, right? Uh, but, but I begin to think about that. Yeah, outwardly I probably do. Outwardly, I might smell pretty good, but what's my aroma on the inside? I mean, the one that God determines, yeah. Isn't that something we ought to think about? And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 22 and hold your finger there and then go back to Revelation 19. Matthew 22, Revelation 19. Here in Matthew, Jesus is talking about the parable of the wedding banquet or the wedding supper, depending on how your, your Bible depicts it in the translation. But in chapter 22, verse 1, it says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, which means, obviously, he's done it several times. Amen? Saying this, the kingdom of heaven is like, 
And so as I, as I put, this, put this sermon together and I was talking about the kingdom of heaven, who better to tell me what the kingdom of heaven is like than the one who created it, right? The one who's making it for us, the place where he's preparing the place where we'll go together, yeah? Uh, the kingdom of heaven is, is more than that, but Christ would know, wouldn't he? He would know what the kingdom of heaven is like. See, we have an idea, and we'll tell each other, and even in our own mind, determine what we think the kingdom of heaven is like. But friends, none of us really knows that because we're not there. When someone remodels a house, they can tell you what it's like, but until you see it, well, you really can't know, can you? And that's what, what Christ is trying to tell us. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son, he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Now, that's kind of interesting. Invited all these people who he thought were his friends, who he thought cared, who he thought wanted to be part of this and share in the celebration, and nobody showed up at the wedding, so he got his servants together and said, hey, go out there and tell the people, did you forget the date, right? Because how many of you gotten those in the mail, save the date? And sometimes you do, and sometimes you forget to save the date, and then you don't go. Or unless you get another invitation or another reminder. But it says here that they had the date. He sent the servants out. They still wouldn't come. They refused to come. And so he sent more servants back to these same people, mind you, and said, tell those who I have invited that I prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. You don't have to do anything but bring yourself. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field and another to his business. The rest, get this, they seized his servants. They mistreated them and killed them. And all they're doing is inviting somebody to a wedding feast. The king was enraged. Of course he was. He sent his army and he destroyed those murderers and he burned their city. Well, yeah, imagine he did. And then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. I imagine his guest list will be a little different next time. Go to the street corners. Go into the streets. Go out in the highways and byways. Go anywhere you can. And invite to my banquet anyone you find. Now, friends, have you been on the street corners of Terre Haute lately? Notice who we're going to be inviting. Huh? You're following me so far, aren't you? And so the service went out to the streets, and they gathered all the people they could find, both good, get this, Jesus said, and bad. So when you, when you go into this mis, mismatch of people, what's going to happen? You're going to get good and bad. I think that's where it comes from. You take the good with the bad, right? Maybe it does. When you, when you go out and invite anybody you run into, well, you just never know what you're going to get. And I, maybe Forrest Gump's mother was right about the box of chocolates. I don't know. They don't all taste like chocolate. Now, I've had a box or two that the whole thing was bad. But you just never know what you're going to get, do you? But that, that didn't seem to matter to the king. He said, go out and get them, both good and bad. 
And then he says that the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. And he said, friend, notice he calls him friend. How did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. And the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And I began to think about that. You see, I think we read this story and we depict it specifically on a wedding banquet that we might have gone to or could go to. We look at tangibly, and it isn't. He says it's like that. Because I can tell you, I've been to a lot of wedding banquets, and, and I've never been thrown out of one yet. But I'll tell you this, I've gone outside into the darkness, because it's usually late, and I've never seen weeping and gnashing of teeth out there. Have you? So we're talking about something else here, aren't we? Darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then in Revelation 19, verses 7 to 9, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. For fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. And if you hear that, you better stand up and take notice. These are the true words of God. So friends, as I thought about this, this is Jesus speaking before his ascension and after his ascension. He's talking about the kingdom of God in a parable that they wouldn't understand, a wedding feast that everybody had probably been to at one time or another. They knew exactly what he was talking about. But I suspect that throwing somebody out into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth probably threw him for a loop. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Then you get into Revelation. Now, this is, this is post-Christ. This is Christ leaving the earth, uh, gone to the grave already uh, through crucifixion, uh, has risen from the dead, stayed a little, around a little bit, and then he gets ascended to heaven. He's gone. But he comes back a couple of times. He comes back, and he meets Paul on the road to uh, Damascus. Of course, he doesn't actually appear here. He appears to Paul, according to the Bible, a vision. My guess is through the power of the Spirit in some manner or some type of angelic form we don't know. But Christ did it, yeah? I mean, there's no doubt that's who it is. And then here, uh, he clearly, in, for Revelation, appears to John in a vision and says, write these things down because this was going to go down. This was going to happen, right? Most messages, my friends, on the kingdom of heaven focus on what heaven's going to be like when we get there. Right? I've heard it over and over and over again in, through my entire adult life and well before that. Pastor after pastor after pastor of every walk, of every type of church, of every 
religious background of every theological thought talks about what heaven's going to be like when we get there. But I will not be speaking about that today. Likewise, most messages on this particular passage focus on the fact that the first group was invited, but they didn't come. We talk about that a lot. And so, if you're invited, you better come, is what the message usually is, yeah? You follow me so far? And when the king sent servants to try to get him to come, they turned violent and killed the messengers. Now, sometimes as a Christian, I feel like I'm the messenger, and folks don't much care to hear it. Do you feel that way? Sometimes I feel that folks in the church don't much care about hearing the message either. And I realized that I've been the person that when the pastor was speaking, I didn't much care to hear it. Because, see, we're, we're, we're a people of entertainment. If, if the pastor's entertaining or it's, it's bright and cheery and talk about things we like, well, he's got us, you know. But if not, eh, oh, you know. Get up my phone, look around, you know. I, I, got, I got some Facebook things I got to do. Where's the clock in this place? <laughs> What's everybody else doing? <laughs> hey, what are we doing for lunch? Now that's happened a time or two, hasn't it? Now I'm not here to bust your chops or anything. But I'm saying it, 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 it's got to pique our interest or we're, not, we're, not, we're kind of checked out. And I wonder how, how many times Christ is speaking to me and I've checked out. But that's probably sermon for another day. You see, he's talking about the people that reject the kingdom of God. And, and since we're not, we didn't do it, then we don't need to listen. <laughs> so when a pastor starts talking about that stuff, it's like, well, you know, don't need to hear it because oh, we, I, I didn't do it. I, I accept it. But I'm not going to speak about that today. In fact, I think it's rather fascinating that most messages don't seem to cover or explain the very last part of this particular part in Matthew that Jesus is speaking about. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about it. You see, this man is part of a group that did accept the invitation. It's the, it's the people that came from everywhere. And you know, friends, I thought about that for a minute. That's us. We're the, we're the people that Christ came out and invited, and we come from every highway and byway of life. He didn't much care where we came from or where, who we are. He just, he just accepted us and invited, yeah? He did, he did for me, you? So, so I, I'm part of this group, you see. But there's one man here in this particular group that also accepted the invitation. Now, I'm not going to talk about all the rest of the people because it, they, they don't matter at this point. They fade from view. They all came, and that's all we hear about it. What their baggage was or the fact that Christ accepted them and invited them, that doesn't seem to matter here because that's where we put our focus. We put our focus, well, you know, Christ accepted me for who I am. And that's, that's the message we teach right now. 
It doesn't matter who I am, he accepted me. And that gives us a license to be anything or do anything we want after we've accepted the invitation. Do you understand that? Because that's, that's our message. That isn't what Jesus said, but that's the message of the church today. Well, come as you are and stay as you are. That's the message. And I'm sick of it because it's not true. I'm sick of it, and I'm not angry at the people. I'm sick to death that the enemy has that kind of clout with us, that we're listening to that garbage. Yes, Christ invited you as you are, but he expects something different from you as he did from me. Anybody? And so I want to focus on this man. He clearly accepted the invitation, but for some reason, he decided he could go to the reception just as he was. He clearly wasn't concerned about how he looked, certainly not how he smelled, or that the event required some changes to his person, including his appearance. And so the Bible tells us Jesus himself said it, mind you. Of course, we skip that part that Jesus said it when we want to quote Christ. Jesus says, so he was bound and thrown out. Now, I want you to get that in your brain for a minute. Jesus said there was a man at, at a wedding feast, which is like the kingdom of heaven, mind you, who was bound and thrown out. Now, that's not any Jesus sermon I've ever heard in my life. But Jesus said it. Now, unless your Bible says something very different than mine, does it? And I think the problem is we think it does or we hope it does, and yet it doesn't. Those who have accepted the invitation of salvation but refuse to recognize that it requires a new mindset and a change to our appearance and our demeanor are missing what he's saying. He's clearly stating that our attitudes after becoming members of the kingdom of heaven are absolutely going to have to change, or we may indeed find ourselves thrown out. And I challenge you to argue that point with me when it's right there. Somewhere, somehow, somebody's going to say, yeah, but that's not what it means. Really. The kingdom of heaven is like. If people aren't going to be thrown out of the kingdom of heaven, then it wouldn't be there, would it? And Jesus wouldn't say it, would he? Well, I got your attention today, didn't I? I meant to, because he certainly got mine. And I realize that most Christians don't ever believe that this would or ever could happen. And so here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll step back and we'll go back and focus on the love and grace and mercy of Christ and all the wonderful thoughts that we have about it. The come as you are. Everyone accepted. And we'll say, I just, I just, you know, I want to focus on those things because I just can't believe Christ would ever throw anybody out. (laughs) 
That's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. And I would be willing to bet that out of 100 pastors, probably none would, vote, would, would preach on the throwing out. But they preach on everything else. I would be willing to bet that most of us, when we read this, don't focus on the throwing out. We focus on the fact that we're glad that we're in the highways and byways of life, and we got the invitation when, the, when those other sinners wouldn't accept it. I'll bet you that's exactly what we do. How accurate is that? You see, this is precisely why we have to read and understand all of the Scripture and not just the parts that match up with what we like or what make us feel good. And I, you can say, well, you're just a doomsday pastor. No, I'm not. I'm just a truthful one. And I want to see all that Christ has, not bits and parts. This is not Burger King, and you cannot have it your way. I used to walk into Toys R Us. I'm not kidding you. And I used to think, of course, they're gone now. <laughs> Who ever thought that would happen? But they are. And I used to walk in there, and I thought, how would you know as a child what you want? Because you have everything available to you, right? You, you could literally walk in there and never make a decision in that store. Anybody? I'm the parent, and I couldn't make a decision because they would like everything in there. And isn't that exactly what Lucifer wants to do? He wants us to like all the goody, goody stuff about our Christianity. And he wants us to ignore and not even look at the things that might make a difference. Isn't he good with that? And I begin to think, look, friends, you look at this picture of salvation. Just because you accept the invitation doesn't mean you're saved. Yeah, people are going to go, what? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Because that's what Jesus is saying right here. You got invited and you went, but you got chucked right back out too. Because something wasn't right about your aroma and your appearance. Uh-oh. You see, it requires a surrender of your will to the Father's will. And only those who have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who are completely obedient to the Word of God, will be admitted into the kingdom of heaven. That's a fact. That's a fact. You can't bargain with it. You can't compromise it. You can't step back and say, well, our church doesn't say that. My pastor doesn't believe that. I don't care. I know what he's saying. I know what he means by it, and I would rather take Christ at his word and get the truth than be told something else that feels good but is going to get me thrown out. You know what scares me? I think there are people that will risk getting thrown out. The book of Revelation tells us of the wedding and the reception called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. And now, I know there's been a bunch of preaching about this event as well. And a whole lot of it really stirs up our emotions because we get excited about being there, you know. I get it. I, I, I understand. 
But let's face it, the Bible doesn't really tell us a lot about this marriage supper of the Lamb. But there is one noteworthy thing, however, that it does say about it. In verse 8, we find out that the people involved in this heavenly celebration are going to be dressed in fine linen, bright and clean. Did you grasp that when I read it? And it, it is this clothing, my friends, that I want to focus on today. Because the word clearly puts emphasis on the clothing. Jesus clearly does. Everything about the wedding feast, when, when, when he walks in there and he sees all the guests and they're all bright and clean and everybody's getting ready to partake of the fattened calf and all the, uh, I think Beverly Hillbilly said, the vittles, goodies. Uh, I, 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 to me, in my mind, it's not good for me, but I like a buffet. Anybody like a buffet? So, okay, they're not good for you. There's a couple in town. I don't recommend them, but nevertheless, because you... you to make it look that good after it's been sitting there for four or five hours, there's something in it that doesn't belong there. <laughs> Possibly. And I'm sure it's probably not very good for anybody. Just saying. But I want you to grab something here. Here comes the king. Here comes the host. Here comes whoever put this party on. He walks in, sees all these people, and they're getting ready for the vittles. And everybody's like, ooh, look at the vittles up there. Ooh, look at the buffet. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that nice? It looks, oh, so, there's so, how you doing? And there's, how you doing? And we all look great. We all feel great. And the host, he's smiling, and then he stops. And he focuses on one person. And you know what? In my mind, that's me. I don't want to be the one he's focused on. Anybody here want to be that one? You want to meld into the crowd and be part of them, don't you? And he immediately sees something is wrong, and then he makes a beeline for you. He's walking up to that person. You're thinking, oh, this is hopefully good. He's going he's gonna to give me some honor, or he's going to say, I'm glad you came. Because that's the mindset that we want to hear. That's what we want the host to do. That's what we want Christ to do. We want to walk into heaven because I've taught this a thousand times. He's going to rise and smile, reach out his hand and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Herein is your reward. I want to hear that. And I believe that's exactly what's going to happen because it's been taught to me. The Bible says it and I believe it. But what if you're the other guy? What if you're the one that he walks up to and it's not so good? He says, uh, so uh, where's your wedding clothes? Don't you just feel about this big then at that particular moment? And you're, you, I can feel myself sliding down. Now, no jokes about this is how I, it probably looks with me most of the time. I'm shrinking, I know. But the fact is, I, I don't want to, do you want to be that person? I don't. Because something isn't, I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, have you thought of your excuses? Because we got a ton of them. We really do have a ton of them. Because when it comes to the time, time of the wedding, you have to be dressed properly or you're not going to be admitted. Friends, eternity is coming. Your life will not last forever. And believe me, I'm starting to see that more and more the older I get. Right? Because stuff hurts that you never even knew could hurt. Right? And stuff doesn't work right. Huh? A 
according to Christ, you need to be absolutely certain that you'll be clothed in the proper attire when you reach the end of your earthly journey. And as I speak today, I want you to, first of all, close your eyes for a minute. You won't, you won't have time to fall asleep. Close your eyes for a minute. I want, I, want you, I want you to hear what I'm saying here. Hear me now. As I speak today, I want you to consider your attire. What do you look like to God? And as I do, I want you to listen to the Word of God and let the Word and the Lord speak to your heart. Because this isn't me. This isn't me. I'm not going to give you any of my opinions whatsoever today. I've got them, I know. But there's reasons why I do. But I want you to let the Lord speak to you. And if you find that you're clothed in the rags of sinfulness or the flimsy clothes of your own self-righteousness, which is a lot, a lot of Christians do that, or you're underdressed in your own beliefs and opinions, which is a lot of them doing that, or you're not dressed at all by your neglect of the kingdom, then I want you to respond to the Lord and really allow Him, really let Him have His way with you today. Because I want to share four observations from this passage as Jesus asked the question, are you really properly dressed? So you can open your eyes now. And if your neighbor isn't, jerk him. Hit him. Okay? Let's talk about a couple things. Let's talk about the availability of the clothing. Notice he says that this clothing is available to everyone. The king sent his servants in the streets, divided anybody they could find. He wasn't concerned about their past, about their social standing, their abilities, their popularity, anything else. He just wanted them to come to the wedding celebration, and so they do. And when he formulated his plan of salvation, that's exactly what he did. I know that because he found me in the highways and byways. Anybody? I, I wasn't in that group of people that we automatically think he'd go, he'd go find. Now, we forever in, in this life try to be part of the nicks and crannies and the circles of people that are the people who are the people. Everybody wants to know the mayor. Everybody wants to know the police chief. Everybody wants to know the fire chief. Everybody wants to know blah, 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 and it goes on. Now, it doesn't matter if those people are any good at what they do or not. Okay? And oftentimes, I found that when that person is no longer in that position, well, all of a sudden, they lose a bunch of friends. <laughs> I know, because it's been me before. When I was uh, community spiritual director of a mass community, over eight counties, whatever it was, everybody wanted to be my friend, but not so much anymore. Why? I mean, I don't really care. I'm just, why? Because we want to be buddy-buddy and have influence with people who are in position. But see, Christ didn't do that, and that's why I'm excited, because he came and got me, and I was nobody. Yeah? So I, I can't discount that. It, it, it's there. And I'm assuming that everybody here has accepted the clothing, because you were invited to the party. I did. Did you? And I, for one, I'm grateful for the new clothing. Anybody? I'm grateful that I don't look a thing like I did. Anybody? Huh? But I noticed that clothing, the clothing isn't always wanted. Have you, have you noticed that? It's like, yeah, 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 we want to we be invited, but ah, you know, I'm not putting on that clothing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting on that stuff. <laughs> People actually do that. 
And herein is the most dangerous area of salvation. Because people feel convicted by their sins, but, but put God off for whatever reason. They believe that they're going to be saved, but they've got forever and whenever to actually do it. But that's not true. And that's dangerous. But then God has promised to deal with all people, First John, or John 1, 9. And he, he has not promised to always be available. Did you know that? I think people think that this is going to be, for, it's not. The day is going to be coming when you can't get saved. How many of you didn't know that? Who didn't know that the day is coming you can't get saved? Everybody in here believes that, I'm assuming. Well, you know I'm going to give you scripture, right? Because the scripture says so. Isaiah 55, 6 to 7, seek the Lord when? While he may be found, which means someday he's not. Okay? Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord to have mercy on him and to our God. He will freely pardon. And then Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a what? A thief in the night. So obviously, God is giving us a warning. And more than that, there will become a day after the Spirit of God has been turned away when God will no longer deal with the lost heart. Listen to this, Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. In other words, that God is not always going to offer grace, is he? So your friends out there that tell you you always will, tell them, have you read Hebrews 12 then? Don't tell them, I don't believe that. Our church, our, my pastor doesn't believe it. Don't tell them that. Tell them, have you read Hebrews 12? I'd like to know what they have to say. <laughs> because I said that to a pastor about four months ago, and you should have seen, well, first of all, he's defensive. And I said, oh, oh, you don't have your Bible? No problem. Our app does. So I pulled up my Free Life Community Church app. And, uh, and I said, oh, and by the way, in case you're wondering, after I read it, it's in every version of the Scripture. It says the same thing. I don't care which one you're using. It says it. The only time that's not in your Bible is if you rip Hebrews out. I think he's still talking to himself. I hope he is. Because it's there. Okay? So, okay, so availability. Then we got to look in this other part, which is the acceptance of the clothing. I think most people think they've accepted it. Yeah, but did you put it on? Okay. You see, it was common in weddings involving the wealthy to provide each guest with uh, white wedding clothing. And when the guest accepted the invitation, they would be given their garment, and then they would wear it to the wedding when the day arrived. And, of course, this went on for a week, you know. And in that day, a person... You know, when we're, we get saved, we accept the Lord's invitation to Christ and salvation, and he receive, we receive a robe of righteousness. The Bible says that that's true. That means our sins are forgiven, we're justified by faith, and then God sees us. Get this, and this is what always just blows my mind. God sees us in this exact same manner that he sees his son. And I look at myself, and I look at Christ, and I'm like, how does he do that? All right? I, I think that's probably a sermon for another day, too. But the wedding clothing is given to every believer at the instant of conversion and is to be worn by the believer, get this, at all times. You never take it off. And there are four truths about this clothing, about this garment that I believe we need to consider. First of all, it's received by faith. You can't get it any other way. You just can't get it any other way. 
It's totally free. It can't be purchased at any price. Because the, the price that was paid, Christ did it. You can't do it. He did it. I have more on that, but I'm running out of time, so I've got I to move quickly. It's the perfect clothing. Now, here's, i got, I got to touch on this a minute. Listen, I don't know about you, but I struggle to buy clothes. Who struggles to buy clothes? Male or female? Who struggles to buy clothes? Keep your hands up. You know why? First of all, I don't like the style today. And I doggone it refused to be pushed into something I don't like. I don't care if everybody else thinks it looks cheeky. I don't. And I'm not going to stink and do it. It will be, listen, I might wear jeans next week, but I'll tell you what I won't do. I will not wear pants that are too short. People ask me when the flood is, okay? And I will not go without socks, and I won't wear black shoes. But that's what everybody thinks is cool today. I think it looks ridiculous. Come on, right? Come on. You tell me old-fashioned all you want. No. <laughs> and you could tell me I'm not cultured. No, I call it intelligence. For heaven's sake. I know their ankles are cold. I promise you they are. So what for? Okay? But I, I struggle to buy clothes. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons why. And, and it's not really my fault, though, most of the time. And you know why? Because I'm just not the tallest guy out there. And you know that's true. I'm just not. And the truth is, shirts aren't so bad anymore. I remember the day I couldn't get shirts because they're always too big for me. Because I wore a 14 and a half neck. Oh, to have those days back. Right? Now I'm at a 17, right? What happened? I got a thick neck. <laughs> and you know how that happens, don't you? I've always had a thick head, but now I got a thick neck, and that's a problem. Okay? But here's the deal. Pants, though, have you ever noticed that pants are always made for taller guys? And you girls are finding that pants are made for shorter girls. Is that true? It is. It's the exact opposite. If, if they would just switch pants, probably work. <laughs> right? I think, the, you know, I think the rest of it might not look so good, but the length might be right. But, you know, pants are today made for a taller guy. It's a fact. And some tall guys will say, no, they're not, because i got to go to the store that says for the bigger and tall guy, right? And most of us are bigger than we are taller. Right? Right, guys? Right? Huh? Isn't it funny how they use these metaphors to describe it? <laughs> they don't call it fat and tall. They call it big and tall. Pretty funny. Huh? Okay, I tell it like it is. You know that. Okay. All right. But the wedding clothing that's given by the Lord, get this, is the perfect fit every time. Have you noticed that? It's the perfect fit every single time it fits the young and the old it fits the big and the little it fits the rich and the poor the short and the tall and friends i thought about that thought, you can't find any clothing on the face of the planet that one size fits all because when it says i'm like it don't fit me i guarantee you but this one does it doesn't matter what you look like it makes you acceptable <laughs> to be at the event He didn't, he didn't have to know your size because that wasn't important. Do you understand this? His wedding clothing fits every life perfectly. Why? Because salvation is a perfect fit for everyone. 
No one has ever become worse off by receiving Jesus Christ. I, 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 can't, I mean, I, I, as I thought about that, I go, i got to write that down. That's good stuff. Nobody has ever been worse off by Jesus Christ. Nobody. Now, you might be worse off by the friends you keep. Not him. In fact, no life has ever been ruined by a personal relationship with the King of Christ. No one's ever been ruined. Every life truly touched by His hand of grace and power has been made far different and far better than it ever could have been otherwise because He changes His lives and is always for the better. Yes or no? I, you know, I'm sure somebody out there is ignorant enough to say it's not true. Okay. So it's received by faith, it's totally free, perfect clothing, and get this, it's also approved by the Father. Now, I, I used to want to wear clothes that my parents would absolutely not approve of. And let, let me tell you what we, what we used to do. Well, I didn't do it, but my sister did it. My sisters would claim they're going someplace, and I hope, I hope, I really hope some of my sisters are listening to this when, they, when it comes out on, online, because I want to start laughing when I hear it. And I'm going to know if they listen or not by whether they respond to me or not. So it's a test. So they used to get all their stuff together, and they all pile in the car, and they always took little bags with them. Because <laughs> when they walked out, they were attired properly. But you better believe that before they got to the mall, they had on other clothes. Now, why? Of course, I never had a clue why. And I'm sure you're saying you don't have a clue either. Right? We know why. We know 100% why. And the parents would know, too, if they saw the bag. Because <laughs> you know your mother wouldn't allow you to wear that. And your father would probably straight up kill you if you tried. Anybody with me here? Who knows what I'm talking about? But I, and I, here's another sermon for another day. I'm not sure parents really give a rip today about that. I know that because I see these kids in the mall. And I'm sure the parents don't, don't know about it. Or they don't care. Hmm? How many of you think I probably cared? <laughs> Did you? Okay. But this apparel is approved by the father. Now, remember the king saw a man without the wedding clothes. He was thrown out and rejected by the king. You, you, you got to keep that fresh in your mind. I want you, he was, he was saw, seen there. He was, he was rejected and thrown out. Get that in your mind. He was already there. He came to the party. He was in the banquet hall. He was seated at the table. You heard me, right? And the king saw him, saw he was different than everybody else because he wasn't attired properly, bound him, and threw him out after he asked him why he didn't have on his clothes. You see, the clothing was a requirement to be in the presence of the king and attend the wedding. And the same is true when it comes to the clothing of salvation. To be without it is to face the heavenly father unprepared. And I'm just not going to do that. I, and who's, who's not going to do that? I don't care what it takes. I'm not going to do it. Anybody? But I think some people in here are willing to. I think they're willing to risk it. I do. Seriously? You would? Because every person clothed in the garment of his son's righteousness is going to be accepted by the Father in heaven. And isn't it interesting that religion won't do it, going to church won't do it, being good won't do it, and being kind won't do it. 
But that's what we're taught. That's exactly what we're taught. I have Christian friends that tell me, if you're kind, just be kind. Not going to do it. In fact, the only thing that's going to clothe you in such a way as to make you pleasing to the Lord is for you to receive Jesus as your Savior, for you to clothe yourself in His righteousness, and then you are to be completely, listen to me, completely, not my words, His, completely obedient to Him. Why? Because that's required when you accept the invitation and the wedding clothing. When you accept the wedding clothing, you have to abide by the rules. It isn't come as you are. The invitation went to everybody. But when he gives you the new clothes, he expects you to put them on. Right? But the, the, the devil has told us, no, 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 no. And Jesus is saying, yes, yes, yes. Now, who are you going to believe today? Here's another thing. If you aren't obedient, then you don't belong. And that means your thoughts and your beliefs have to match up with the Word of God. And it means you have to give Him your absolute best all the time. And folks, not very many give God their absolute best very often. And when the saints arrive in heaven, we will not be admitted simply on the basis of what we did or did not do. I think, I think that's a, a terrible misconception. We will be admitted purely on the basis of how we're attired. That's what Jesus is saying. It has been said that the clothes make the man. Because the fact of the matter is, Christ is going to look at what you did or didn't do after that fact. Right? I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But you have to put on the attire. It, it, that's, that's requirement for entrance. Clothes make the man. It's been said time and time and time again. Now, whether this is right or wrong, I can't say. But I do know that how we're dressed when we leave this world is going to determine where we are seated for eternity. Am I right, pastors? The question is this. Will you be approved by the Father? You can be, but only if you're clothed in the glorious righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and to the obedience of His Word. And I want to ask you something. What kind of clothing are you wearing today? What kind of clothing are you wearing this morning? I mean, how many of us struggled to give God our very best even today already? <laughs> right? Let's look at the ability of the clothing, moving quickly. It will change your appearance. In modern weddings, the bride and the groom try their best to stand out from everybody else at the wedding. But see, in, in, in their day, everybody looked the same. Everybody wore the same, right? It covers our appearance. Some of these people were found, some dirty, some beggars dressed in rags, some been wealthy and were dressed in all the finery and money could buy, but whatever their appearance when they were called, they put on the wedding clothing. <laughs> For some of them, the wedding clothing was probably beneath what they were wearing that day. Do you understand what I'm saying? We always look at it for the other direction, but it's not always that way. And friends, this means we have to listen to what he says and live out our lives by what he commands. What typically happens is we, we compromise what we think Christianity is. 
And when that happens, it's difficult to see what's Christian and what isn't. So we make up our own brand of it, and we do what we think seems right. We listen to others who are doing the same things, and when we do that, we're telling God that we know what's best, we don't need Him to tell us anymore. And that's precisely why the Bible says we're blind to our condition. You see, when a person places his faith or her faith in Jesus, they're covered in righteousness. But when we compromise those things, well, then our wedding clothes, <laughs> well, they become soiled. And we wouldn't go to the wedding soiled. Or some of us straight up take them off. Because, well, we got tired of it, didn't like it, who knows, we took them off. And so that brings me to the next thing, the absence of the clothing. I've got to be done here real quick. After the guest arrived for the wedding, the king saw a man who had no wedding clothing. Now, whether he never had the clothing or whether he refused to wear it, we'll never know. But this event produced three great reactions, I think, that need to be considered today. Understand that if you try to go to heaven without wedding clothing, these things are going to come to pass in your life, period. And you can tell me, no, you, you don't know that. No, no, I do know it. That's why I'm saying it. I know it because the Bible says it. There's a lot more in the Bible that we know than we don't. Okay? So we need to focus on the things we know. Anybody? Now, if I'm wrong, you know the, you know the deal. Bring it to me. I'm listening. Because, brother, I can't find it. I don't, think, I don't think anybody can. When Jesus speaks, <laughs> it's truthful. Now, some people will take off the wedding clothing. Revelation 16, 15 says, look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and, get this, remains clothed. Now, why is it there if you couldn't remain clothed? If, if, if you put it on, it never comes off, and you could never take it off, why is it in there? Look it up yourself. Remains clothed so as not to go naked and be completely and shamefully exposed. <laughs> right there. I think for the most part, they don't really know they've done it. Maybe the clothing was a little soiled, or maybe they just didn't like the way it looked anymore. Perhaps they didn't want to dress up for the wedding. Again, that's between them and God. I'm not talking about that. But the fact of the matter is, it happened, and it's going to continue to happen. God says so, and he tells us he's going to deal with it. Yeah? It will produce a showdown. It did right here. The king saw the man without the wedding clothing. He confronted him about it. And I have to tell you, everybody in this building, everybody listening to this message is going to be confronted by God one day. Every single one of them. And there's teaching out there that says you won't be. Mm -mm. It doesn't say that. We will be. One way or the other, Pastor Bob, yes or no? Either at the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne of judgment. One or the other. We're all going to face them. Okay? The Bible says so. I'm going to move forward. It's going to produce a shock. You know why? Because when the man saw he was hidden, not hidden from the king, I, I think he tried to get behind people, right? I would. But the bottom line is when he was confronted with the truth, there wasn't really much you could say about his condition. Was there? Which is why he was speechless. And that's exactly what's going to happen to all those who have no wedding clothing when they enter into the banquet hall. No excuse is going to suffice. No appeal is going to be heard. No promise will be heeded. Even the cry of repentance is going to fall on deaf ears at that time. The Bible says so, period. Period. What a shock to find that the one who could have saved you has now become your judge. You might want to write that down. I thought it was pretty good. I wrote it down. 
Friends, the time to be saved is right now. The time to have wedding clothes cleaned and refreshed is right now, and the time to put them back on if you've taken them off is right now. Right now. Because if you don't, lastly, it's going to produce shame. And as our worship team comes this morning, the man in the parable was thrown out into outer darkness. Friends, I began to think about it. I, I sliced it. I diced it. I looked at it from every way there is. And you know what I found out? It's hell. This is hell. There's no coming back from that. Once you go there, you don't get back out. Okay, there's no good behavior and come on out. It, it, it's, see, I think we look, at time, we look at hell and think it's time out. It's not time out. It's time over. <laughs> huh? Every person who leaves this world clothed in anything but the wedding clothes of Christ is going to spend eternity in hell apart from the Lord who died for them, who made a way for their salvation. And it's going to be an awful place too, by the way. It's the destination for every single one who didn't have the wedding clothes. It doesn't matter if they, if they never had them. It doesn't matter if they're so soiled that they are no longer righteous, and it doesn't matter why they don't have them on. The fact is, they're out. They're out, period. And there's going to be no greater shame than being thrown out of the presence of the Lord. Now, I know that there's those, again, who truly believe that this is never going to happen to anybody. And I know that they have reasons for believing it, but God does not lie. Did you hear me? Hear him. God does not lie. His word does not lie. And the honest question that demands an honest answer is, what will happen when you face the Lord? Now, I want you to get on your feet right now. I'm going to ask you a couple things. I get you on your feet because it makes you easier to get out of your pew. How are you dressed today? Are you really a member of the kingdom of heaven? Do you even really know what it is? You say, Pastor, well, how, how do I know? Well, it all depends on what you've done with Christ. If you've never received him as your Savior, then you're lost and you have to be born again. Amen? If, however, there's been a time in your life when you bowed before him as a sinner and you called on Jesus by faith, you confessed your sins, you received him into your life, then you're saved. But maybe you're the one who got saved and believes that there's a heaven and that there's going to be a hell, and you want with all your heart to be clothed properly at the wedding. You might not clothe yourself all the time in society the way you ought to, but when you get to heaven, by golly, you want to be clothed properly. Anybody? But now you see that your clothes are kind of soiled. Or maybe you don't even have on the proper wedding clothing at all. Maybe you tried to give your best. Maybe you tried to completely surrender. And maybe you tried completely to be obedient to the Word of God. Maybe you've tried all those things. Maybe you're trying now. Maybe you struggle. But for some reason, life just happens. It doesn't matter why, it just has. No time, not enough resources. Or maybe you struggle with what the truth really is because everybody else is telling you something else. If there's the slightest doubt, I mean the slightest doubt in your heart today about the condition of your soul, about the clothes you're really wearing, then I challenge you to come to the altar and get it settled today. Don't, whatever you do, don't leave here today until you do. Are you ready for the wedding? Because it could come like that, friends. 
I mean, it could literally be at any time. You see, you can be. You can be ready. But you have to be dressed in Christ and His righteousness alone. And the answer, or the question is, will you come if the Lord is calling you? Because He is. It doesn't matter which group you are. Answer yes. And if you've already answered, how are you attired? Because He's given you the wedding garment. What does it look like?